We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. A big thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen, download, support the show. It truly means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. We're available on every podcasting platform out there. And when you subscribe, new episodes, whether there are regular Tuesday or Friday episodes or bonus ones that we do scattered throughout the month, they'll get sent directly to your phone within literally seconds of being published. Simple as that. Huh? As for today, I'm excited about today, by the way. Matt Perino is going to join me in just a couple minutes. And I'll tell you what, Matt Perino is without question one of my favorite guests I've ever had on this podcast over the first three or so years that I've been doing this now on a personal level. Like I said, Matt's been on the show six times. Today will be seven. Two of those we actually did in person, which was a lot of fun. Uh, the first time we hooked up at Audubon North in Amherst and had some fingers, wings. Oh my God, food. Uh, I'm smiling right now just thinking about that food. It was so good. But anyway, we had a good chat then. And then another time we hooked up, I think it was around Christmas or New Year's Eve, I should say, actually. Uh, 2019, we hooked up at Casey's Tavern in Black Rock. The place was just reopening and we had wings there. Really good time. Anyway, Matt's a, a super cool dude, man. And, you know, somebody that I'm happy now to to call a friend good guy great father great husband and it's fun you know he's got a son who plays baseball and i see a lot of uh between facebook and, and twitter a lot of the, the photos and stuff and you know as a sports dad myself it's fun to watch so on a on a personal level i love matt and then on a professional level i mean yo 
Dude's just crushing it. Print, podcasting, both. And he continues to do a great job covering the Buffalo Bills for NeoGup.com. And then over the last year or so, he and Ryan Talbot, who deserves a lot of credit as well, they've been crushing it with their Shout Buffalo football podcast. I love it. Great chats, great guests, fun topics. They're very interactive with Bills fans, and that show just continues to get bigger and bigger. So anyway, today I'm going to talk to Matt about the podcast. I'll talk to him about his job covering the Bills. I'll get his thoughts on the offseason. We'll go over some bills, some NFL draft stuff, a ton more. A couple personal items as well. I talked to Matt about being a sports dad and lots of stuff. So anyway, enough of me here blaring at the top. Let's just get after it right now. This is going to be a good one. Here it is, my chat with Buffalo Bills beat reporter and podcaster, Matt Perino. All right, I am joined right now by Buffalo Bills beat reporter for NeoCup.com, co-host of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast with Ryan Talbot. By the way, he's been kicking some ass, man. And I, I'm not just saying that. I legitimately mean it. Man, that podcast has gotten pretty big. Anyway, he's been on six times, but it's been over six months since I've actually had him on this show. So he's back today. Matt Perino, what's going on, man? What's up, man? It's, it's a fun time to check in with you as we kind of get after this week, which is like, we wait for this for months and then we finally get here and we're all kind of hustling in the, the last minute here. I'm actually heading to Cleveland on Wednesday, which I'm super pumped for because it's like, we got to go to Kansas city, which was like the only real road trip last year to, so to get out to Cleveland, uh, you know, being fully vaccinated, I, I feel, uh, super confident in it and excited about it and doing a channel four show with Josh Reed and the, and the crew over there doing a live shout podcast on Wednesday. So it's a fun week, man. I'm pumped. Yeah, it is for sure. Before we get, and we're going to talk some bills, some draft, and I want to talk to you about your podcast because like I said, it's doing really good and I'm a big fan of your show. I got a very, let's call it a, a minor bone to pick with you, man. Ooh, <laughs> a, a minor bone, bone not a big bone, <laughs> but a minor one. So you along with guys like Ryan and, and Joe Marino and Greg and, and Bruce and all, all those guys, man, they, very generous with your time. Like you're constantly, besides doing your own job and also doing your own podcast, which is a lot of work, uh, you do a lot of other shows. When you get an opportunity, one of them you did, I don't remember the name of it, but I saw a tweet that you put out and it kind of, you hinted to the fact that it was one of, if not the most in-depth conversation about Matt Perino behind the scenes that you're going to hear anywhere. And I was like, yo, I'm taking ex exception to that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to refer you, Mr. Perino, back to our very first chat all the way back in July of 2018. It was episode, in fact, you know what? I'm looking at it right now, man. Episode 42 of this very podcast. And I don't recall a lot of other podcasts, Matt, where people would learn stuff like the fact that you were actually a pretty crappy student as a young kid and that you didn't even finish high school at the time. You had to get your GED and it was before like your mid twenties when you decided what you wanted to do and you went to UB and became the editor of the spectrum and that you intern at the Buffalo news and you worked at the now defunct title on the news about your reasons for going out to Vegas, UFC reasons why you came back your job. I don't recall a lot of other podcasts. other than talk Buffalo podcast where we got that insight from one Matt Perino. I'm just saying that's on me. That's on me. So <laughs> here, here's the thing. 
I, I should have worded the tweet a little bit differently, like, <laughs> and I should have, you know, basically said, "Listen, if you want a, a, another kind of dive into it, because yeah, we've, I mean, what is this? You said the sixth, seventh time on the show, we've yeah. gone into plenty about me, and this is, you know, you know, I love you, you know, I put over this show a, a ton on social media, and but no, that is a good bone to pick because you are right. I shouldn't have worded the tweet like that. So you got <laughs> I'm, just, me. I'm just playing, by the way. I'm I totally know. joking. I mean. You go on other shows and people learn little pieces about you, which is the fun part of podcasting to me is, is fans get an opportunity to know more about you than just the work that you do. And then one other thing too, and then I, like I said, I want to get into some podcasting, some bills and stuff. One of the many reasons why I've come to like you as a person and kind of diddle with Sal Capaccio. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I feel relatable to, to you guys specifically on some level beyond just like covering or, or talking about like Buffalo sports and that's your kids. You know, you, you got a boy growing up right now who's enjoying sports and playing baseball ditto for sale. And now I have a son who's literally a couple of weeks away from finishing high school and he's going to be going off and playing college ball. But anyway, to me, that's like adult stuff. That's not kid stuff anymore. And it's just like, I get to watch you guys go through this right now, like the little league and mm-hmm. just the raw excitement and we all know is as sports fathers, as sports mothers, whether it's our sons or our daughters, we kind of live vicariously through our kids in some ways when they're growing up and doing that. So just speak on that, being able to have that, these moments right now for you, like, cause it's like, for me, man, it's just like savor it, man, you know, get to every single thing you can. Now guys like yourself, especially you're covering a professional team. So you're busy. You got a lot of responsibilities, but I know you. And whenever you get the opportunity, you're always there. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, guys like you and say, I, I just, and, and many other people out there, you know, who, who have kids who are playing sports and it's just like, it's, it goes by so fast. That's the point I'm trying to make right now. Like I said, my kid's 18, just finished. He was in state uh, championships for weightlifting and that's it. You know, now the next thing is college and it's just, it goes by in a blink of an eye. So to get to watch like you guys, like you and sale, just go through it. Just speak on that a little bit. It's a great, I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up because I was actually just talking about this with my wife the other day. Um, he's starting Little League. We've been we've had about three weeks of practice. I'm his coach, and um, they actually just reached out to me and said they want me to coach the travel team next year. He's you know he's pretty good, and you know I think that you know as he continues to kind of grow with the game, uh, he just enjoys it and and it comes kind of natural to him. But I have that kind of time because of the gig. You know what I mean? Like this this window of time from like you know March. I know the drafts gets busy for a week, but March to like middle of June when baseball season really in the in the area is you know, pretty heavy schedule wise, you know, I have a lot of leeway because things are heavy in the fall and the winter. And that's one of the cool things that I think happened by accident. Like when I took this job, I, I didn't take it thinking like down the road a couple of years when he was going to start playing sports and doing things like that. And when my daughter starts playing sports, she just started playing soccer. That's been, mm-hmm. that's been fun as well. Um, you know, I didn't do that with this in mind, but it's like this cool little thing that has happened. It's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of things I miss about Vegas and the, and the UFC and traveling around. We just had a big fight card on Saturday and man, would I have loved to have been there for that live live show. And, you know, there's a lot of things I still miss about that, but all of these little things, I love the job, but to your point, getting a chance to, you know, maybe even coaches travel team, which that's a real commitment in terms of time. That's something that I'm just, I'm really looking forward to. So it's been fun. But while we're on the subject of, of personal stuff, I just remembered, I got a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. <laughs> for a good friend of ours, Vinny, over at Casey's BlackRock. I go in there on, on Friday night. He brings us out with a great double-decker cheeseburger, brings us out 20, 30 wings. Went there with John Scott from Spectrum. 
we're eating and he's like and, and i'm like so what what day did pat come in when he was in town this last week he didn't come in yeah and i said <laughs> what he didn't even stop in for a beer so i i had to give you a little grief for that too that's fair that's one of my favorite places you and i did a show there in fact we did a sh- I, I i talked about this a little bit at the top i think we did a show just a couple of days before new year's of 2019 just before the end of 2019 a couple months before covid hit in fact i remember one of the conversations we uh we talked about was you were getting ready at the time we didn't really talk about this on the podcast because you were still in the planning stages but you were starting the process of planning your podcast mm. at yes. that time because i remember you talking about the eventuality of a well i don't want to give that away if you don't talk about that but um you know your plans for your podcast too and we were just kind of talking shop and yeah, that was a fun app. That was a fun time. Put me on to Casey's. I ended up going back a couple weeks later to do a, a live show from there. So yeah, I love them there. I'm just giving you a hard time. Vinny was, he thought it was funny, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I was, well, again, in fairness to me, I was only in Buffalo for like four days. I did right. have wings five times and I want, you know how it is with me, at least anyway, I always try different places, even though I know a place like I've had wings at Casey's, you and I did. I thought they were very good. I love that vibe. I'll definitely be back once I'm back in Buffalo and sources are telling me that that might be inevitably soon for good. Just saying, Ooh. once that happens, I will be spending plenty of time at Casey's. I promise you that. But like I said, one of the things we did talk about was you were starting the process of planning your podcast. Let's talk about that for a few minutes because, again, yeah, shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Now, for a lot of people who do this, like, say, Bruce, who, who I think is as good as anybody, okay? And, and a lot, not everybody because some people, like Joe Marino, does this for a living. But for... For you guys, this is part of what you do. It's not just a hobby for you and Ryan. I mean, it's like quite literally part of your job covering the Buffalo Bills. Talk a little bit about the growth of this podcast because, again, it's grown pretty big time, man. And, and talk about how it's become clearly something that I think went has went from maybe it was at the time it was a little added bonus or, or subdivision of what you do covering the team print-wise, you know, or writing digitally about the Buffalo Bills. And and now again, it's pretty, it's a significant part of, of what you do. The fan base has really grown. So just kind of talk about that process a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like at the forefront of everything that we do now in terms of our planning, like our game day coverage um, from, I'll say one thing, we just celebrated the one year anniversary of the show and respect to all the people that have been hustling on this for years, doing podcasts and booking guests like yourself it's a lot of work, man. Like that's one part of it that, you know, as we've gotten through the season, like I I really want that guest element, a part of the show. I think it's one thing that like, you know, separates us from a lot of other things. Like there's there's a lot of places you can go. And I always think that you're going to get the analysis. You're going to get the, you know, reactionary stuff. You're going to get all the bill stuff that you can handle, but you're also going to get a lot of conversations. And I think that's a perfect question, a perfect time. We had Doug Flutie on last week, which, you know, that was a a great opportunity. I linked up with his people um, behind the scenes based on stuff. I was doing uh, something else. I was working on a story and I'd come across, uh, you know, his uh, his representatives and we put it together. We were working on that for two or three months. And one one fan tweeted at me or DM me. I can't remember. And he said, man, you guys, you guys as interviewers are what I really love about the podcast. And to me, that's what I always really I felt like prided myself on was my ability to connect with people and to talk to them and interview them. And now that I have this platform for it and Ryan, I feel like people getting the chance to really get to know Ryan more than just the dad jokes on Twitter, but really get to get a vibe of his personality. I mean, we're really good friends. I mean, you might think it's a fun, like uh, 
dynamic on the set. Like he was in Buffalo and we, he came over, he brought the kids over. Like we've turned into really, really good friends. And I think that dynamic, it, it's like the perfect storm, right? Like you, you, you have a show, you have a couple guys to cover the bills, but oh, by the way, you also, they're also happen to be, you know, really good friends. And, and the, the, the distance between us too, that's another interesting thing. Like we barely ever see each other like once or twice a year and to have that camaraderie and that relationship that's built just virtually and through working together all these years. Um, it's, it's been awesome. Ryan's a great dude. And I'm glad to see him get the credit now starting to get the credit anyway, that he really deserves. He's been a hard worker for quite a while and he's kind of been in the background, but he's kind of, you know, come up to the forefront when it comes to people who cover or, or talk about the Buffalo bills. I love to see it. Now you talked about interviewing people. Obviously you've been doing that for a long time because even as a, as a sports writer, I mean, you're always constantly talking to people to get quotes and get angles for the stories that you want to write. But has it been kind of an adjustment actually learning how to interview long form interview people for long stretches of time? Like you talked about Doug Flutie, which I got, I got a question about that in a minute as well, but just those long extended conversations has it been a process for you. Or maybe did you coming from the UFC world kind of better prepare you to be able to do a show like shout. A cool thing about my time at the UFC is I had that, you know, un paralleled access to the to the athletes being at the UFC every event I was around them all week long so the conversations of course they were happening in a professional setting for stories but they're also happening a lot behind the scenes I learned a lot about the mentality of an athlete in that time and so just how to, to communicate with them how to talk to them how to get the best information out of them especially when the cameras aren't rolling taught me so much about how to better perform when the cameras are rolling and I think, you know, I worked alongside Forrest Griffin for, I think we did like 60 to a hundred, well, I think we did almost a hundred shows on the, on the rankings report. And, you know, all those things kind of help build what I hope has turned me into a pretty good interviewer and somebody that, you know, has some talent on camera. I love doing the channel four shows. Like I, t I tweeted about it. We did a mock draft last week and of course I watched I it. I watched oh. it. It was good. It was a lot of fun. It looked like you guys were all having a good time too. Yeah. And it's like, you get to work with Tim Graham and Sal Capaccio and Thad Brown, Josh Reed and Heather Prusak. I mean, it's an all-star team and it's so fun for that to just be like icing on the cake of my job. So I'm in a really cool situation right now in terms of everything that we have going on here. Um, and, and it's just a start. I mean, we've really just scratched the surface for what we feel like the, the shout podcast is going to be. And I think eventually we're going to take it to you know, even other lengths that I have kind of imagined for it. And uh, what I feel like we just have to, like, everybody has to catch their breath once we get on the other side of this pandemic, whatever that's going to look like. And when we do that, I'm excited for what we can do. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of the guys you mentioned, Doug Flutie was just on your show last week. And it's one thing to talk to him professionally, but you have somebody like Doug Flutie on your show who, you know, he was the Bills quarterback at a time where a much younger Matt Perino was a Buffalo Bills fan. You certainly weren't covering the team for a living. Uh, and again, just being on your show last week, what was it like for you? Like, do you have occasionally a guest like him where, again, you're doing your job regardless of who the guest is, but like on a personal level, it's like one of those, at least a little bit kind of surreal moments or takeaways from it that, you know, I grew up, you know, a big fan of this guy and a lot of other people that you've been able to have on your show. And it's like, now I'm sitting there, talking to him live. Like that's really cool. You know? No, I definitely never take it for granted. And I never have those moments where 
I'm not appreciative of what I'm, I, what the position that I'm in and what I'm able to do. But I will say that there's not really, there hasn't been, you know, to this point. And I think eventually as the show continues to grow, I mean, eventually, hopefully one day be able to get Jim Kelly on the show. That would probably be one of those moments or Thurman, um, Thurman followed me on, on Twitter like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I show my wife, that's the kind of moment I think where the little piece of me that still like rests in my heart of, of back in the day, being a fan, um, that's still there, but I will, I will tell you a story when I had Dana white on, on the podcast, um, talked about a bunch of stuff, the Patriots, the bills, the UFC, all of that stuff. It's a great podcast. Definitely go check it out. He had some fun stuff on Jake Paul as well. Uh, I know a lot of people are talking about him now, but I know Dana personally, like that, that invitation to come on my show was via text message. We went back and forth for a couple of days. So just imagine, you know, this from that perspective, like I, I have a good relationship with him. When that type of like caliber of show, when that kind of eyes are going to be on that show and, you know, different parts of the world from the football world that are interested because Dana White's just such a personality. And then the MMA part of it, there was a lot of pressure going into that show. Like I felt it during the, during the interview. And so there's still those moments from time to time. Like I'll be honest, sometimes when you're in the middle of a a Josh Allen um, playoff press conference. And you're on deadline and which I don't really have the deadline in the traditional newspaper sense, but you know, you're, you want to get a story out or whatever. And you know, you, you get one chance to ask a question and it's gotta be a question that, you know, you want it to be good for multitude of reasons, whether it be for the interview itself, the people listening on the live broadcast, but then the show that you, or the story that you have to write afterwards, there's pressure that goes into that. So those moments are, are, are so cool. I feel like the biggest rush that I get in this job more so than anything are those big moments like that, that, you know, I didn't even really think about too much going into the job, but I, I thought it, I don't know. I, Cause you know, the UFC side of things, everything was spoon fed to you. This one, it's a little bit different. You got to kind of scratch and claw for everything you did. And that's why, you know, I, I'd say, what am I three, three years on the beat now? 2018 was my first year. I still hadn't really written a story that I felt like was something that really grabbed Bill's mafia, you know, like, we have so many phenomenal writers on this beat. It's hard. And then finally, like out of nowhere, I was chasing the story for like a year with Davis Webb. And I was talking to the Bills people. I was talking to Davis. I was talking to Joe Licata, who has worked with Davis Webb. And it was just marinating. I wanted to tell it during the season, but it never worked out timing wise with the Bills. And he was on the practice squad. And those guys don't usually tend to do interviews during the season. And then it just, it just worked out. And Pat, I got him on a Zoom call. We talked 45 minutes. And he just took me through his whole week. And the response from that story was unbelievable. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just, I guess, long story short, with all things considered, I feel like I'm finally hitting my stride. We've talked about this on the show multiple times in the past. And it took me you know, a couple of years to do it. And I think that's the way that it should be. I mean, Tim Graham wasn't Tim Graham year one. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's been in this area covering these teams for a long time. And I feel like I'm finally, you know, the John Feliciano scoop uh, a couple weeks or months ago. It's been a cool couple, couple months, I guess, long story short. And the podcast is, is just a, a great piece of it. Before we get to some bills and draft stuff, what have you learned like about podcasting over the last year that maybe you didn't know when you first started out? Now you kind of hit on one of those things for sure. And that was that sometimes the hardest part of the gig could actually be setting up the show, you know, having to, go through some channels to get some guests. Now, obviously you've become pretty close to a lot of local Buffalo media personalities. So like, for an example, like when it comes to you, I just 
send you a message, say, hey, Matt, we do the show. You're free. You say yes. That's a wrap. That's easy. And I'm sure you got a lot of people like that in the, in the sports media world. But there are some times where you got to go out and, and put the work in and go through some channels to be able to get it. It's like, say, a Doug Flutie, for an example. Chief so kind of hit on that. Is there anything else like over the last year or so, maybe a little more than a year, that you kind of learned that maybe you didn't realize quite at the time? Maybe someone who's uh, an aspiring podcaster out there listening right now or a content creator, maybe they could take something away from this. I think from our end, you know, and I mean, I guess I don't know how much I want to talk about this because I feel like how we do our podcast separates us a lot. And I think eventually when people start really doing it the way that we're doing it, um, you know, and I'm not just talking about Buffalo, I'm talking around the league. Like I, I check in on a lot of different beats in the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and there's usually two, like three or four groups of podcasters, you know, the people that want to do the video, the people that just want to do the audio, the people that don't want to do it live, uh, all these kinds of different things, right? We do all of it. And you've got to be like, we talked about for a year, I was planning this and how we were going to be able to do it, how it was going to work in our workflow for our regular jobs, like, you know, the written part of, of the, of the job. And I guess having all those things and having a willingness to do all those things. Like I, I, I just, I, I get a kick out of hearing people talk and I'm not even talking about in media. I'm talking about all walks of life. Like, nah, you know, I, I just think that that's too much work. Or I don't want to do that. Like nothing to me is too much work in this. Cause I want it to be as, as great as it can possibly be. And if that means interacting with fans live in on YouTube comments or Twitter comments or whatever, I'm going to do that. And you know, we don't always do that. Like it's tough because uh, that's a great, great transition to another point multitasking during a show can be really tough. We're our own producer, you know? So now at this point, Ryan and I both kind of work behind the scenes. At first it was just me, but he's gotten kind of schooled up on that a little bit, which is nice, but dealing with those live comments, I mean, it's gotten to the point where people are coming in there to, you know, participate just as much as they are there to listen. And if you lose that go, you know, it it could be tough. So that's something that I still think I want to become better at as we move along and, you know, long-term plans, like as a producer, like that's in the, that's in the plans long-term and that will kind of change how our whole thing. Cause you'll a lot of times see, I actually got a fan message said, listen, I love your show. I never miss it. But sometimes it seems like you don't, you're not looking at or listening to Ryan when you, when you guys are going. And I'm like, you're right. For, for 10 minutes of that show, I was doing behind the stuff. I was typing, I was, I was chatting back and forth with fans or reading through comments and chatting with Ryan behind the scenes. And so to get to that point where we have a producer to do a lot of that stuff behind the scenes, to just let us kind of be the, the talent. But I think it's, I think people are understanding of it too. Like they know that, you know, we're kind of doing it all and that's part of the, the fun of it. I think a big takeaway that people can learn again, people who want to start a podcast where your situation and, and what you've revealed and what we've talked about many times kind of goes against what a lot of people say when it comes to advice. So somebody says, I want to start a podcast. What should you do? And a lot of people just say, well, do it. Get a microphone, hit record and start a podcast. I've never agreed with that. And I think you're a perfect example of why I don't agree with that. You just talked about it at length, planning. You planned yours for a long time. Got to have a vision. You got to have a plan. Don't just grab a microphone, hit record and start. What's your plan? What's your vision for the show? You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Especially now, dude. Like, (laughs) Can you imagine how many, if you really try to think about how many podcasts are out there? I mean, just on the bills, let's just take the bills, for example. Sure. I mean, we're talking 
hundreds. If you talk about people that are just turning on a mic and, and pressing publish on stuff. So if you don't have a plan and a vision, you are just going to be noise in the background. Nobody's going to even, you know, register it. And dude, we're almost at 2000, um, subscriptions on our YouTube page. And we just launched that in the playoffs because we were starting a new. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed channel we wanted it to be all podcast focused i mean of course the main reason for that is because bill's mafia is awesome but it's also because we created a specific brand for our show so you know it's 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 not hard like if you have if you're passionate about it you're a great example i mean you know you have a full-time job this is something that you created twice a week podcast which is so much work especially with all the details with the audio stuff that you know you pay attention to and make sure that it's it's really good um, it's, it's, it's a big deal to do it. And if you, if you have a vision for it, they'll go for it. If you work hard enough, you're going to, you're going to be able to figure it out. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're taping this on Monday afternoon and uh, dropping Tuesday morning. We're taping this three years to the very day that Josh Allen was drafted. I want you to look back and I want to get your reaction at that time, because unlike when I've talked to some of the guys who've been on the beat for a while now, you at that time, anyway, were not back in Buffalo, at least not covering the Buffalo Bills yet. It wasn't your job. You were still, I, I believe you were wrapping up in UFC, but regardless, you weren't covering the Bills yet. So you were still a fan at the time. Anyway, uh, what was your reaction at that time when the Bills drafted Josh Allen? I, I've never asked you that. Um, I was standing in my living room in Vegas and my daughter was just born in March. So she wasn't even two months old yet. I was actually holding her when the bills traded up for the pick. And at the time I was so busy with the UFC. I was about as detached from, you know, draft Twitter draft, like uh coverage as you could be. So all I had really known is that for a couple days before the draft, I had started to read a lot about Josh Rosen. And I thought, you know, from everything that I read, from the experts that I trusted, it seemed like everybody wanted Rosen. So 
I was out on Josh Allen. When Darnold and Baker went and they traded up, I'm like Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen. It's so funny because there's this dude on YouTube. And if you're a Bills fan, you have to find this guy. It's the funniest thing. I, I came across it years ago. His name is Jay Canman, I think it's called. And what he does is every year since like 2011, he sets up his iPhone before the draft starts and he just records his reaction in real time. Oh God. <laughs> and the Josh Allen one wasn't even the funniest. He had one a couple of years ago. I can't remember who it was for now. It might've been the, tr- the Trey white trade out, but he, the reaction was funny, but his Josh Allen one was similar to mine where I was just kind of sitting there like, are you kidding me? You trade up for Josh Allen. And again, I didn't know anything about it. And what's cool about how this thing is progressed is, you know, I came to camp, um, that was like the first day of my job. Three or four months later, I'd, t- I'd moved back and done all that kind of stuff. And I got to really sink my teeth into it. And I will say right off the bat, there was questions about Josh, no doubt about it. But if you go back to my very early coverage, I mean, the writing was on the wall. You could tell just from the way that people in the building and the people like associated with him, how they talked about him. I was like, dude, I think this guy's got a real chance. We can figure some of these things out to be good. Um, but yeah, the draft reaction was comical. <laughs> I was pro Josh Rosen at the time. I remember uh, talking about, in fact, I went to listen to some old episodes around the draft. I knew they weren't going to get Maker Mayfield and I, and I kind of knew Sam Darnold would not get to the Bills. So it came down to Rosen, Rosen and Allen. I was wrong, but I, I didn't hate Josh Allen. I did go back to some of my tweets because I was kind of neutral about it. And man, the hatred at the time from... Not all Bills fans, because it was very divisive, man. But it was passionate. People who did not like it, they were passionately uh, against it. Fortunately, this year we don't have to worry about the quarterback. I think nice. that's, I think that's a great topic, though, and something that you know I'm hoping this week to be able to cut, talk about on the show. Like we do these mock drafts, and um, you know the comments in in some of these mock drafts. Like you take a you take a player, and it's just like that's trash. This is a trash mock draft. Like. It's so funny that the, the passion that people have for these players that really, when you come to think about it and really look back at the last even five years, most people don't know what they're talking about when right. it comes to projecting these players. So, I mean, that's a perfect example right there. I watch every Bills game, you know, probably my whole life. And, but I, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the draft stuff. And I was like, I actually, I did pull up my tweets right here and I quote tweeted Schefter and I had the ghost uh, emoji and said, Freaking out, go and get uh, Josh Rosen was the only tweet that I had. What's funny is, though, I didn't tweet again after that one. So I was so mad that they picked Alan that I didn't even tweet about it afterwards. You know what's funny is I go back and I'm pretty embarrassed about it. But like even beyond Josh Allen, I'll go like, you know how Facebook has your memories on this date Mm. of whoever years ago. I'm always uh, posting my thoughts, no matter how stupid they are or whatever, especially on Facebook where I really don't give a shit. I don't got to act professional like I try to do at least on Twitter anyway but uh yeah if I could if I had a dollar for like every horrible sports take knee-jerk reaction <laughs> I had to every draft pick or every trade or every free agent signing the bills made uh yeah I'd be rich man it's just and and I like to think I know more than the average fan I mean I'm not an expert but I know more than the average fan but you're right to your point I don't know what the hell I'm talking about and most of us don't until a couple years down the road let's just see what happens but yeah the knee-jerk reactions woo. My best one, though, my best Facebook memory that I'll never delete is uh, calling Tim Tebow trash back at the draft. 
saying it was never going to work in the NFL. <laughs> I just it was not a believer. Now, even with that said, I do kind of wish another team would have at least given him a longer. Uh, like that's one of the things I don't like is when people want to pull the plug on guys like after like eight eight to twenty games. Like you know nothing at that point yet, really. Um, right. And that's why I'm so glad that Darnold has another shot. You know, a two year window with the Panthers where maybe he can try to figure out what he really is going to be with no injuries, no Adam Gase, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. When it comes to him, I mean, he may or may not resurrect his career in Carolina, but hopefully he'll at least have the opportunity because, I mean, if Josh Allen would have went to the Jets, I don't think we'd be talking about the Josh Allen that we're seeing today. It's just a, it's just a fact. It's the way the organization has run. Now, final mock drafts are starting to come in. This is a uh, draft week. One of them I saw today, Monday, Peter King, who, who took Travis Etienne to the Bills. At the risk of pissing off Bruce Nolan and driving him crazy, do you feel like that's a realistic move for the Bills to do? I know you've had plenty of conversations about this on your show. You've had guests. Like, What, what are your thoughts on that being realistic? I definitely think it's realistic. And I think it's going to come down to, and I'm actually writing about this right now for later today, is like the thing that Brandon, Be something that stood out that Brandon Bean said when we talked to him last week was like the willingness of a team to come up to 30. Because I think in that situation, like if ETN's on the board and maybe you can move back even 10 spots and, and hope he's still there or, or maybe you have a collection of guys that, okay, if anybody in this pot's there, we're good. Add mm -hmm. another pick. I think another thing they could do is, you know, move back 10 spots, add a day, another day to pick, and then maybe like a fourth round next year where I feel like, or maybe even a day two pick next year. This is another crazy thing. Like, I think there's a lot of question marks about this draft. Like, from all the things that I've heard and listened to, like, there's real concern about the evaluations and how sh strongly GMs and front office folks feel about the evaluations that they're they're using to set their boards. So I heard uh, last week that most of the time people will have 125 names on their board. Now they've ballooned that to like 175, 200, just because there's so many question marks with all these guys with incomplete evaluations, whether it be medical, a, no, a year of no tape. So I think at ETN is, is definitely a possibility depending on where they have him on their board. He had a lot of production consistently over his Clemson career, which I think Brandon Bean and company are going to like. I just sit back and wonder, you know, they're, they're big about what things mean in the room and where I just don't know how that plays when you, have been talking up Singletary and Moss all off season about how it wasn't their fault. And, you know, there was other problems on the run. And then you're probably gonna have to move on from one of them. If you draft Travis Etienne, in my opinion, unless you're really going to get crazy and bring all four of those guys to camp and, and maybe let it play out then. Um, so from that perspective, I, I still don't see it, but it could be a best player available situation. And they're in a situation with no needs on the roster really to make that move. I don't want to, press too much on Bill's information here because obviously you want to be able to keep your best insights and takes for your own show, which I would be the exact same way. But so let's say this, all right? So I would say the most important positions on, on the football team are the quarterback. Obviously the Bills got that taken care of. Um, and then the other three, maybe in no specific order, but I think they're the next biggest three is offensive tackle. I think the Bills are set there with Dawkins and Williams um, getting after the quarterback. The Bills certainly can use an end. And, uh, you know, defending the quarterback in terms of passing. Uh, and obviously the Bills probably could use another corner. But there's also a situation at 30 where you look at the top defensive ends. Um, Phillips, I got Phillips, OA, Pay, 
Ojolari, they could all be gone. And then the corners, I think Sertain and Horn, those are locks to be gone before 30. Newsom, maybe Farley, maybe Samuel, all those guys are going to be gone. You can see a situation. I put up a poll on Twitter and I said, if all those guys were gone and your best options were ATN, Eric Stokes, who's a corner, Christian Barmore, uh, the, the defensive tackle, and Landon Dickerson, an offensive lineman, who would you take under that scenario? Let me ask you this, Matt. Give me just one or two guys you think that realistically the Bills could have their eyes on that maybe aren't getting quite as much attention as some of the others. Yeah, I think um, in any other year, I think Dickerson would be, I I, I picked him in the mock the other night, and um, I think that he fits every, checks every box for what sure. the Bills would be looking for in a player. So I love that fit, even at that pick. Like this is a guy in most years that would probably, if he was healthy, go in the Quentin Nelson range. I mean, with the versatility to play center and guard. Um, and, and he's got that next level ability. So he's somebody that I think they probably definitely have their eyes. On. I think Newsom's another guy. Like if you're talking about trade up potential and, and they see the value there, if he's maybe sit, sticking around at 22, 23, 24 in that range, depending on how they have the rest of their board situated, like, that's another thing. There's all this like this lack of clarity on a lot of guys. Like if you talk to one draft expert about Tyson Campbell from Georgia, the cornerback, he'll tell you or she'll tell you that's a top 25 player. And then you'll look at another guy's big board or another uh, woman's big board. And it'll be like fourth round talent, fifth round talent. And it's like, how are we getting this crazy disparity? And I think it comes down to how they view these players and how those guys would fit into their system. So if you're asking me like, and I'm not saying you are, but just, you know, thinking off the top of my head here, like what's a more important position to the bills right now, from my perspective, judging on what they were talking about last week, Brandon Bean, I think it's probably edge rusher because Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, both going to be 34 or older going into this season, 33 or, or, or older. This is probably the last run through where you're relying on both of those guys heavily in the rotation. And even that's a little bit of a question mark. I like Effie Adoba. He's a nice player uh, and possibly some upside there, sneaky upside, but you're not banking on that. So unless you think AJ Epinesa is going to be your stud pass rusher of the future, you got to hold the address there. The problem is I'm not sure if there's that guy that you could take in this draft to really, and that's another thing. What about this idea, Pat? And this is something I've just been thinking about the last couple of days. What if they really just look to gain draft capital in future years because of the question marks in this draft? Like, you know, maybe go a Miami Dolphins route where they maybe end up parting ways with two or three of these day one or two or early day three picks still come away with four picks in this draft, but set themselves up in some of the future drafts where they'll have more understanding of who these players are and maybe more ammo to move up to get that difference maker. I don't know. I know that there's still holes to fill. I just think that, that any type of way that they go in this draft won't surprise me. I agree 100%. And to your point more specifically about Landon Dickerson, um, Adam Schefter tweeted on Monday, Team struggling to get accurate medical information on prospects due to absence of this year's combine. Even though there were medical exams in Indy this month, given 150 players, teams not pleased. There'll be last minute decisions based off medical info that's still trickling in. Do you think, knowing Brandon being a little bit, that a guy like Landon Dickerson, who talent wise is absolutely, I think anyway, like 
mid first round pick at worst. And maybe a guy like Caleb Fairley, who I think is one of the top corners in this draft, but they, these guys come with big time uh, red flags, injury risk. Do you think that the lack of medical information that seems like the bills might have access to right now, that that might impact them to say, you know, you know, I love Landon Dickerson, but that's a risk that we're not willing to take. Can you see that happening? Uh, yeah. I'm, uh... People are going to look at me, looking at me funny for saying this. I, I had them take Dickerson in that mock draft, but I would be shocked if the Bills had a first round grade on either of those guys with all the question marks. Now, from what's been trickling out, and I wonder what the source of this is. Like, there seems to be some confidence in you know Caleb Farley's ability to rehab and be okay, um, and, and maybe the Bills medical team is able to sign off on that and say, "Listen, we think that he'll be in a good spot. We're not super concerned about it. The talent's there." Like. We'll, we'll keep a first-round grade on it. But to be honest with you, I think both of those guys, in my eyes, if you're asking me where I'd probably place them on a, a mythical Brandon Bean board, if I was predicting, I would probably say a second. You know, For Dickerson, maybe even a third-round grade just because of those those medical question marks. And I saw, I think, um, you know, everybody's a draft insider. <laughs> like I, You got to be careful your source of information this time of year. But I, sure. I saw one report that, you know, he was going, he was a day three pick and uh, I don't know if it was a, a front office person or an NFL scout wouldn't take him any, any, anytime sooner on day two or day one. So yeah, I think that that's a, a big thing that they're weighing. And I think that's going to also play into what we were just talking about in that range. But I also think if you're a Bills fan saying, oh man, well, I really want them to get somebody, a difference maker at 30. If they make that pick at 30, you can bet your, your butt that Brandon Bean and that whole group believes that that guy can be an impact player in year one because I think that they they they're going to try to take a good player if it's there and that'll tell you that their board played out nicely if they make that pick the rest of the AFC East here is going to be really interesting on night one of the draft obviously the Jets got two and they're going to take they're going to take Wilson um New England at 15 I think that they're very much in play potentially to move up potentially for a quarterback for somebody and then, and then you got Miami, man. They're at six and eighteen, which, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about these guys who obviously are unrealistic for the Bills. But I mean, there's a chance Miami at six, they might get Pitts or 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 Chase or uh, Devontae Smith at at six even, and, and then they could come back at eighteen and get Jalen Phillips or or Najee Harris. I mean, that they're going to Miami's going to have a nice roster that Buffalo's going to have to face twice per year going forward. Obviously, it's going to come down to the quarterback play, but Miami's got an opportunity to really upgrade themselves in this draft. They're positioned really well. And I, and they've built it the right way. I feel like in a couple different scenarios, they kind of, you know, use the Buffalo model and, in, 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 you know, the, to the greater extent, the New England model to, to build this thing. But to your point, it comes down to the quarterback. I wasn't very impressed with Tua last year. I'm not even close to ready to say that he's not going to be the answer, but we have the information that we have to work on. And right now, he's not an NFL caliber starting quarterback until he proves otherwise. So until that happens, then the conversation can change. But all you can do in the meantime is build around that quarterback. Now, Miami's in an interesting situation because they traded out of that third pick where they, you know, and I've talked to plenty of Bills fans over the years, family members and everything, draft a quarterback every year. Draft a quarterback every, even if you think you have your quarterback, draft another quarterback. And, you know, I think that far, uh, you know, on, on that ledge, isn't necessarily a smart way to go, but I think that there could have been an argument to be made 
if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, a little bit concerned about Tua, why not take a quarterback at three and or or even move back to five or six, or they could probably still take a quarterback at that spot, depending on how this thing goes, and then create the competition, and then you can trade whichever one doesn't work out, a la uh, an Arizona Cardinals. Now, Josh Rosen was all-time bad that year, and it seems like you know with the direction things are going right now, I think Miami has a little bit more confidence in Tua than Arizona did in Josh Rosen, and they had a shot to get Kyler Murray, who was the perfect fit for their system, but I kind of think sometimes teams should do that a little bit more and and maybe we'll see it more in the future because unless you land that guy that no doubt about it, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, we know he's going to be the guy. You got to find the quarterback and all this other stuff is irrelevant until you find him. And I I think that'll that'll play itself out for Miami if two is not the guy. I think that's pretty sound insight. I I don't think Miami is going to take a quarterback at six. But I'll tell you what, if I agree, if I were them and Justin Fields is there at six or, or Vance, I don't think he will be Vance. But anyway, yeah, I would roll the dice with that and, and create that competition. Because again, you still have a first round pick at 18 too. So you're still going to get a good day one impact player. Uh, regardless, when it comes to the Bills offseason, look, you've been talking about it on your show all offseason. I've been talking about it on this podcast all offseason. I'm not asking you to break down the offseason, but as a whole, in its totality right now, are you happy with the Bills offseason? Because you have one side that says, okay, they re-signed their own players, which is very important. And they went on and got a bunch of guys on one year, see very team-friendly deals. And they didn't want to break up a 13-3 and team. On the other end, if you want to play devil's advocate, they're trying to catch the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City looked significantly better than them, not once, but twice. And the Bills weren't exactly aggressive in addressing their needs. And it really you know, roll the dice and take some big chances, at least not to this point anyway. I mean, there's still things could still happen. But when you look at the totality of everything, are you happy with what the Bills did this offseason? I am. Uh, I was happier about it before the Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown. Yes. That's a huge get and something that completely stabilizes that offensive line. They made a couple nice swings. Listen, I think Joe Tooney gets a little bit too much love. Um, in my opinion, he's a great player. He's a really good player, but like, I don't think that him alone was going to be the difference maker for that offensive line. I think that a really good guard is only so good if they don't have good, uh, exterior play at the tackle spots, but getting, you know, Brown in the mix, uh, Lucas Nyang, uh, is going to be back in the fold. Uh, uh, Tardif is going to be back in the, in, in the, in the mix this year. Their offensive line is so looks so good on paper. And from my perspective, where the Bills struggled last year was to affect Patrick Mahomes in any way. Like you could affect Patrick Mahomes and still lose, you know? So yeah, are they going to probably address the, the secondary a little bit? Sure. They might add some more playmakers, maybe a hybrid type player in this draft. There's a couple different areas they can go. But if you roll back into 2021 with the same front as you did in 2020, I have concerns about it now. Am I willing to say that they that that iteration of this group can't be good? No, because I do think there is real belief in what Eric Washington can do with a full offseason, getting on the same page as, as his guys, developing A.J. Epinesa, Daryl Johnson to a lesser degree. They still love Brian Cox Jr. and Mike Love on the practice squad. I know fans don't want to hear about that as, you know, as the Arizona Cardinals at J.J. Watt. And I think that they were in the mix. For what I also think that as the time has gone on from that move, 
I'm I'm so okay with them not getting JJ Watt. You know, I think he could have added value and I think he could have added production. But at that price point and the expectations that you have for JJ Watt, this is something we didn't talk enough about. If you sign JJ Watt as a free agent, you give him the kind of money that Arizona did, he needs to be pretty close to the JJ Watt you remember. Like when they went out and signed Mario Williams, to me it worked, even though it never really did long term, because he was still pretty close to the player that he was. If you're not getting that sack production from J.J. Watt, then that's not money well spent. And I don't think coming into this rotational situation, he was going to be a 10-plus sack guy. How do you find a 10-plus sack guy? I don't know. Maybe you have it on the roster. Maybe maybe their confidence level, because you know Eric Washington knows Afi Odaba, uh, Odaba, and maybe they, they think that he can be somebody that really upgrades the pass rush, and we'll see. Um, but I'd still like to see them make a move there. Um, and it worries me about eventually a potential rematch with that team. And even a team like the Browns, who if Baker Mayfield takes a step, that offensive line in Cleveland is is really good. You're going to need some nasty dudes up front to, to, to have a chance in those games or add enough weapons on offense to be able to strike whenever. And that's where Emmanuel Sanders comes into play. How he ends up being for the Bills in this offense, I think, can cure a lot of problems if they don't add that guy I'm talking about on the defensive end. I loved your take on Orlando Brown because I completely agree. I was not impressed with the Chiefs offseason whatsoever. But then they go and get him. Sooney, look, he better be great. $80 million or some crazy <laughs> shit like that for five years, man. I, also, I still can't believe that Baltimore, not that they traded Brown, but that they traded him to Kansas City, a team that they're trying to get over the hump. I don't feel like, how does that help? I, I just don't get it. But anyway, last thing, and then I'm going to let you go. And again, you're going to save your Bills content because you got a lot of stuff coming up this week. But on a Bills, and certainly on an NFL level right now, give me something kind of saucy that like you think is going to happen sometime this week, whether it's a draft, a trade, player move, something like that. Give me something. If, if you have something for the Bills right now, if you want to spend a little more time Thinking on that, that's fine. But like something in the NFL, like when we, the draft's Thursday night, people are going to wake up Friday morning and be like, oh shit, I can't believe that happened. You know, give, give me something. That's how we'll end this. So I was talking about this, I think on a recent show. Um, I think it was ours. It might've been somebody else's, but um, man, do I feel just not nearly as prepared for this week. Like from that perspective, like the insight and information perspective as I did last year, like I'm pretty sure I called AJ Epinesa like prediction wise on a, on a pre second round podcast, like hours before the draft started. I was like, listen, AJ Epinesa is falling. Like that's looking like bills all over that pick. If he's there at 54 and it ended up happening um, this year, man, without the combine, I, I talked to some folks, but it's like I, I, the conversations that I've had make me think like, there's there's a little bit of uncertainty on the other end of the conversation. You know what I mean? Whereas last year, like, you know, they were coming off of a full year on the scouting trail and, you know, people were talking in the league and have, you know, meeting people out for drinks in, in, in Indianapolis. Like information was just flowing. I heard a ton about Kyle Duggar in Indianapolis last year. And I think it was Matthew Fairburn who reported that, you know, the Bills had serious interest there. And that was real smoke that was coming out last year at the combine. We haven't had any of that this year. Um, what I do think is going to happen that I think I'm hearing from enough informed, just media folks, is that I think the Patriots are going to try to trade up for a quarterback. I think there's too many good ones, too many that can fit into what they want. 
whether it be Mac Jones, if he gets past San Francisco, another Tom Brady style quarterback. Um, and then Justin Fields is interesting, I think, because if he slides, I almost feel like he's the perfect guy to take with the kind of upside that he has to sit for a year behind Cam Newton. Just learn from Cam, the guy, the leader. Like, even if it's there's nothing you're taking from a football perspective, maybe he is washed. I'm not there yet. I think I voiced that opinion, and maybe we had a differing opinion there on Cam uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but I think that's a perfect situation for Fields to land in, get coached up by Josh McDaniels, sit behind Cam Newton, and if the opportunity presents itself even in 2021, let him go into the game. But from a Bills perspective, man, I think they could do just about anything. Trade up, trade down, pick at 30, set up future drafts. Like, I don't think anything's off the table, and I don't think anything – I don't think – I think maybe this is the draft more than any year, and, and maybe this is why I was listening to Anthony Marino uh, over at uh, Buffalo Rumblings. I think he put out a, just a short podcast about, like, where's all the draft hype around the Bills? And he was talking about a couple – you know, different things. I think this is one of the years where emotionally you could kind of sit back and say, all right, whatever they do in this draft, it has the potential to help, but it doesn't really have the potential to hurt. This is still a Super Bowl contending roster. And I think that that's why, like, there hasn't been, like, of course, mock draft Twitter is always going to be crazy leading up to the draft. That's that's most of the fun in the offseason is, is the mock draft process and the draft content. But whatever names are called, like you still got Josh Allen. I think just as interested as anybody's going to be in who they draft is going to be, all right, when is that fifth year option picked up? And when is that long-term contract picked up for Josh Allen? And so it's a fun time to be a Bills fan. I say it all the time, but it really is because no matter what happens uh, this coming weekend, it, it, it's it's still everything's looking up for 2021 and beyond. And it's unpredictable for two reasons. Number one, because they have the 30th pick and so many things could happen before them. That's completely out of their control. And then most importantly, this is a good roster right now. There's no one position on this team that's like, oh my God, we got to address this on Thursday night. Now, if you're looking long-term and Brandon Bean did say that, then you talked about this. Defensive end is a prime position. Corner could be a prime position. But there's just it's unpredictable. I'm going to say it because, I mean, again, you still got more content to do this week. I don't. I think the Bills are going to drive Travis Etienne. I do. And I, Mar Marcel loves that. Everybody else hates it. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I also think, and here, here's my, my quote-unquote bold prediction, I think the Bills are going to leave the draft with Zach Ertz. I think when it's all mm. said and done, I think Zach Ertz is going to be a Buffalo Bill. I don't think they're done at tight end. I still think they want to do more than Jacob Hollister. And I think something will work out where they end up getting Zach Ertz. And then I was with you on 100% on your uh, NFL take. I agree. I think New England's going to get one of those five quarterbacks. They're not going to get it at 15. They're going to move up. and. uh they're going to get it. They've done a lot of, they've done a lot of work to get competitive again. And I just don't see them riding hundred percent on Cam Newton. And it's just too many pieces, too many moving parts to, to just have him at quarterback. I, again, I know I'm not a Cam Newton guy. It is what it is. And I don't, I agree that like the rookie might not start, but I don't think he'll sit a whole year either. So right. We'll, we'll see. I'm having dinner with uh, Marcel tonight. Actually, he was in Cali for, uh, I think Cali for a couple of days. He's back. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss some Travis Etienne. I'm, I'm just very non-committal on the whole thing, to be honest with you. Like, I'm if they took a running either Harris or Etienne, fine. Like, I, I think that I almost more so than the player or the position, I'm more interested in the philosophy end of it because 
to me, if Brandon Bean takes a running back there, I really think that Brian Dable, um, you know, Bobby Johnson, uh, Ken Dorsey, you know, Josh Allen to a degree, that's something that I think that they value and they need. They're, those conversations are happening inside the building and over the, you know, cell phone conversations all the time. You know, that's one of the big takeaways I had from the Davis web story is like how much these guys are constantly talking about everything. And, you know, we got that nugget from Brandon Bean a couple weeks ago that, you know, he big time decisions with the franchise. Now he's not afraid to run that by Josh Allen. He wants his input. So if they take a running back there, I'm not going to be as a beat reporter standing on some like, you know, they should not take a running back in the first round. There's a plan. You know, they've had a plan for a lot of guys that a lot of these plans have worked out pretty well. Josh Allen obviously being the best example, but even Stephon Diggs giving up a first round pick and look at the production that he had last year. So I'm just looking forward to peeking behind the curtain at, you know, what this pick will tell us about what they've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. And you're on live Wednesday, correct? Yes, we're on live Wednesday night, 730, I believe seven or 730. Find my Twitter. I'll have a promo for that. And then we're going to have a live shout podcast right after the live show from Cleveland on TV. So tons of content coming this week. That's going to be awesome. Give Matt a follow on Twitter at Matt Perino. I'll put links to YouTube and all that stuff in the show notes as well. Bro, you know, you're one of my favorite guests, man. You were the first person ever to be on this show six times, a seven time. Hopefully there'll be an eighth and many more in the future. And hopefully there'll be more of them in person where we get a chance to actually hang out and have some wings, maybe a couple beers and stuff like that. Thanks brother. It's always fun, man. Anytime, dude. You know that you're one of my favorite dudes uh, it, that I met in the in the area and the business. Uh, I love chopping it up with you, and I can't wait till you're back in town so we can do another one of those live wing. As a matter of fact, like I know Nate and um, Marcel, they're they're th- they're throwing around this idea of starting a, a food uh, a podcast. I say, like you know, me and you start a little comp- competing food podcast. We start going around <laughs> town, and we'll, we'll compare notes, and then we'll do a, a super show. We could create a whole little. Uh, little uh, foodie world. It's a fun time talking with you, man. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you one more time. Matt Perino, NewYorkUp.com, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, co-host of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast with Ryan Talbot. They do an awesome job. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Perino. Thanks very much, Matt. Tomorrow, we're going to have the final installment of our six-part Buffalo Bills seven-round mock draft. I'm going to have, as usual, Aaron Quinn from Cover One with me. This will be our final mock, so I'm very much looking forward to bringing that to you. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review. It only takes a couple seconds to do, and it really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. Of course, we're available on all the major podcasting platforms out there. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter as well, at Pat Moran Tweets. I am constantly parked on Twitter. Always promos, upcoming guests, polls, sports talk with fans, pop culture stuff, all kinds of shit going on on my Twitter. I live there, at Pat Moran Tweets. And again, I end the podcast the same way, and that's by thanking you very, 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 very much for locking in. And I know how many great shows there are out there, so trust me, it does not go lost on me when you're spending 30, 40, 50 minutes, whatever it may be, of your time, your valuable time listening to this podcast. I promise you, 
it means a lot to me. It really does. So thank you very, very much. Have a good Tuesday. And I'll be back with a brand new show. Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Final Buffalo Bills. Seven round mock draft tomorrow. <laughs>